Rodney, it's happening. What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, so you ever used uh, oil of oregano? <laughs> no. For, for no. the purpose of of killing germs, no, and viruses in your mouth. I gotta tell you, eating it. I gotta tell you, you do a lot of things for your immune system, and you still get sick. Well, you know when I get sick. When you don't do these things. Mm. Mm. So <laughs> consistency is the key with, well, with it's oil but of like oregano. A lot of these things, so like oil of oregano is not something I would use all the time anyway. I use it when I'm traveling, like when I'm in a place where I know I'm going to be around a lot of germs. Mm. Now, I have a two-year-old, so maybe I should use oil of oregano all the time because she's at daycare. Yeah. And she's probably bringing home germs for us to try out every day. Yeah. So maybe I should be more consistent with my zinc and oil of oregano. Oh. Hmm. That's a good tip. Consistency. It's like a reverse stick. It's like a stick, and then it got turned back on me. <laughs> it's like self improvement, everybody. Consistency with your your immune protection, homeopathic remedies. Mm. Mm, it's good. I don't think that's homeopathic though. Welcome back to the Morton Common Podcast. I am your co-host, Keith, being laughed at by my man, Rodney. Who's what up? Man. What it is. And look, I want to remind you that this thing that Keith and I are doing is all about compassionate conversation. And the core tenet of compassion is, is that you're just giving it because human beings deserve it because they're human beings period and giving compassion to somebody does not uh it does not render your soul evil it, it doesn't make you agree with them uh it doesn't even make you like them but you can still be compassionate for them so we appreciate you being with us on this journey as we explore what compassion means to us and uh and hopefully inspire all of you to have a little bit more compassion in your lives. Exactly. Today's amazing conversation is with the big homie, B. Dave Walters. B. Dave Walters. Man, That's right. What, I mean, just like B. Dave brings so much energy, so much passion, so much fire. Like we talk about his journey and creating the things that he's creating in order to affect positive change in this world. Um, he's an awesome dude and he definitely brings that fire in this conversation. Yeah. I, I nerded out even talking to him. Uh, he's got a dope project he's working on that will be out shortly in the form of a documentary. And he's got tons of just cool content out there on the web, uh, for, for TTRPG nerds like myself, but this conversation, we get to know him a little bit more. We get to understand what it was like being a six nine black dude in the middle of the country. Um, what was what was that like? <laughs> and uh, he just he just brings such a thoughtful and fiery lens to where we are and what we it's like thoughtful fiery and compassionate he, he, yeah, he definitely lands it and ends it on compassion 
And uh, yeah, so I'm, that's it. Let's go. Oh wait, it's not it. Hold up. It's not. Find us. What? Find us. <laughs> Find us at the more in common ent.com. That's our website. From there, you can get to all of our other stuff. And uh, now that's it. And let's oh, go listen to be Dave. The cap, the canary in the coal mine of capitalism. That these major brands did the math and realized it was more in keeping with the value and direction of the nation to align with that sentiment. If it had been more profitable to be like Blue Lives Matter, they would have. So the fact that 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 is the way the wind is blowing is good. I mean, I saw when I saw that there was protests in all 50 states and all over the world, I was like. Oh, people are fighting for us. Really? For once. And and I I think people greatly underestimate how young this country is and how all of this is going. You know, that that iconic picture of Ruby Bridges being walked into school with the FBI agents. Ruby Bridges is 66. All right, we're going to take a little break here. I want to tell you about something pretty amazing that we stumbled upon. A little ways back, we interviewed this amazing dude, Kwame Bowen, and he shared with me after the episode that his mother is a poet. And what's awesome about that is that he has all of her writings and all her poems, but what he doesn't have is her reading them. That inspired Keith and I to then start recording videos for our daughters. And as we started recording those videos, we started running into the challenges, the challenges of Where are we going to send them to our daughters? How are we going to get them to them? Where are we going to save them? Is it going to be Google Drive? Is it going to be OneDrive? And then along came GiftPod. It's an audio memory that you can record and give as a private podcast. What they're going to do is edit, add music, and produce the audio that you provide them into a professional podcast that you can share with your family members for any purpose. We use it for our daughters in the future. All right, so check it out. In the write-up for this podcast, you're going to see a link to GiftPod. If you use promo code MIC10, you're going to get a discount. And uh, leave some amazing memories for your friends, family, loved ones, maybe for yourself. What, why don't you time capsule this for yourself? I don't know. So check them out. Giveagiftpod.com. MIC10 promo code. All right. Two more things. I know we said we were going to get into this conversation, and we are, but there's a moment in this episode where I talk about a cop that got sentenced to life for killing um, an unarmed white lady. That being said, he did not get sentenced to life. He got sentenced to 12 and a half years, and I just want to correct myself. And number two, and this is more importantly for you, there are some moments in this episode we had some audio difficulties. We are relying on your grace and kindness to really focus on the content because at about 38 minutes, it gets a little scratchy, a little fast at times. It does settle down on the speed. I just want to give you a heads up. We know it's there. We apologize, but we love this conversation, so we're bringing it to you today. Enjoy. Hey all, this is one of your hosts, Keith, and with my man, Rodney. 
Say hi, what Rodney. And, hi, uh, today, <laughs> and today we are with B. Dave Walters. There he is. <laughs> Just so you know, we are live in front of a live fake audience. It's brilliant. A brilliant. Very audience. Yeah. Just teaming the dozens and the dozens of the Rocks fans cheering. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I love it. Now, B. Dave is a storyteller and a proud scoundrel American. He is best known as the writer and co creator of Electro Punk. Dungeons and Dragons, A Darkened Wish for IDW Comics, and creator and DM of the Darkened Wish streaming show for Wizards of the Coast. He plays Baron Victor Temple on Vampire and Masquerade, LA by Night, on World of Darkness Twitch, and freely on Silver and Steel on D&D Beyond Twitch. And we will add, he is a father and someone who is everlastingly trying to make the world a better place for himself, his kids, and all of us. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I think we we planned this like two months ago, <laughs> maybe longer. So it's it, it's here. You know, I'm glad. I'm it's glad here. it's here. Yeah, especially because uh, 2020 has taken eight and a half years. So it's uh, <laughs> and at the same time, it's seemingly gone by in the blink of an eye. I don't know. It's it's True. a really weird, really weird paradox. Yeah, it is twenty. The, the day that never ends. That is true. It is. Uh, it is. It is adventures in relativity. What is it like? Uh, Albert Einstein said, um, "Relativity is when you're uh, in love, an afternoon can feel like a second, but if you sit on a hot stove, a second can feel like an eternity." That's uh, that's where we we are in love, sitting on a hot stove. It's it's, yeah. it's that is that is what twenty twenty is all about. Yeah, a lot all, has happened this year. It all comes that's, back to heat it, heat in the pants. Yeah, that's it. One way or another. <laughs> One way or another. Whether you're sitting or or whatever um, <laughs> in the pants. But, <laughs> but, uh, um, you've had a lot going on this year, mm-hmm. and you've picked up some old passions and fires. Mm-hmm. Um, heading on a path to do some amazing things that uh, we can talk about in in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. But um, I really want to jump off into some really good conversation. In fact, around a topic Rodney and I haven't even explored all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, we are officially. Re- recording in december Mm -hmm. so for you all out there it might be a little bit later but i think we'll still be relevant uh the protests of the summer of 2020 have certainly continued but in a much lower degree the uh conversation has shifted back to covid Mm -hmm. race has maintained probably a bit more than normal but a bit more is is again relative um it's really not all that much it's uh waned in most circles and uh, we've talked a lot about race on our show and um but one thing that we haven't talked about is what the vision of equity ultimately is so socially progress is discussed in varying ways and yes a lot of progress has been made since enslaved people were part of the founding fathers plantations Mm -hmm. um that was uh a a couple years ago right long time ago and there's still a lot of progress to be made around equity, especially between black and white people. So my question is, and this one's kind of to the, to both you and for the audience as well. How do we know when we get there and when is progress really just not enough anymore? Um, there is no there to get to. Um, 
I, I mean, I guess in, in extremely broad strokes, um, uh, Book of Eli Wasteland, uh, either way where, you know, the, the playing field is, is, is fairly level. Um, I think all things being equal, things are improving over time. Uh, we have made progress this year. We've made progress um, overall. Uh, there, there's people who are alive now. They're old, but they're alive now whose grandparents were slaves, you know, or great-grandparents were slaves. And in black people in minorities have produced billionaires. We've had a president, you know, we, we've uh, accomplished a great deal of time in a short amount of time with the deck stacked, you know, absolutely and completely against us. Uh, to me, I think we will be able to count it as progress when you will no longer be able to look at any marginalized group and be able to statistically prove they are being disproportionately discriminated against on a social and societal level. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean we'll have completely eradicated poverty. It doesn't mean we'll have done this or that, because I think some problems we will have, you know, somewhat into perpetuity, most likely. But at least when you can't point out and be like, yeah, but... In Puerto Rico, it is literally 814% worse. You know, when we can no longer do that, then we'll have made it personally. Uh, I like your answer a lot. And I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday, but like what's what's arriving, what's winning? And he, he was telling me that he actually, this is a mentor of mine, he actually got Carl Lewis to sign uh, a photo of himself uh, in the in the midst of a sprint. And the background's a little blurred because the man can move. And he wrote on it, um, in life, there is no finish line. And I think that's that holds for this. I think, and, and the other thing, I, I, I came to this like this week, like incremental progress is success. Like mm-hmm. making, for me, like waking up and realizing like, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't show up how I wanted to yesterday. Can I get a little bit better with my wife? Can I get a little bit better with my kids? Can I get a little bit better with my business? This, that, the other. Uh, I think that's success. So from a racial standpoint, like, and be that you, you said this in one of your, in one of your videos, but like, it sucks that we're 400, 401 years in uh, on this thing. And we're where we are like, that's frustrating. And yet we've made progress. Like the, the progress we made after Floyd if to me felt like more progress than we had made in like 30 years in like the amount of like mm-hmm. months of uh, from a consciousness standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, some of it was fake. Mm-hmm. Some of it was real, but like I, I was talking to a, to a buddy who works at a, a big banking institution. And he was like, the CEO of that bank came out and was like, black lives matter. And like, whether or not he yeah. actually believed that it has never been profitable for a bank to say anything about black people ever in history yep yep so like yeah, that's I, progress lot, yeah uh, sorry I, I did i didn't mean to interrupt you there no, yeah, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people were, were were complaining saying you know oh, i don't need this performative stuff i don't need the black lives matter commercials and i was like y'all y'all that is the the cap the canary in the coal mine of capitalism that these major brands did the math and realized it was more in keeping with the value and direction of the nation to align with that sentiment. If it had been more profitable to be like Blue Lives Matter, they would have. So the fact that, that that 
that is the way the wind is blowing is good. I mean, I saw when I saw that there was protests in all 50 states and all over the world, I was like, oh, people are fighting for us. Really? For once. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think people greatly underestimate how young this country is and how all of this is going. You know, that, that iconic picture of Ruby Bridges being walked into school with the FBI agents. Ruby Bridges is 66. You know, that wasn't 100 years ago. She's 66. You know, and, and yeah. ask yourself how old your parents were are now. And, and, and then look back during, uh, you know, the 60s and the 50s and some of the things that were happening and that you what your parents lived through. Mine grew up in the segregated South, you know, whites only like that was their life in their lifetime. And we're still here now. So, I mean, yes, Malcolm X has a quote that if you stab me, you know, in my back six inches and then pull the knife out three inches, that's not progress. Right. Uh, but it's still a vital step in the progress. And again, that the, the rest of that quote is basically have to pull the knife all the way out and restore me to where I was and then per- perhaps better. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But yes. um, you know, things are moving in the right direction. And I think they're moving faster than they were. And I think a lot of people definitely, it was like a snow globe. They got shook up and there was little white snowflakes came up. (laughs) And then settled back down. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's still in there. It's still in there. And you start... Yeah. You start seeing things about you know the Black Lives Matter protests, about how important the the black vote was, how important the black female vote was, you know, prominently featuring people like uh, AOC, Stacey Abrams, you know, just people of color that made significant, meaningful contributions. Uh, that's the stage for us being valued as human beings, because that's the core of what the Black Lives Matter movement is, which is crazy that we have to be like, hey, maybe don't kill us. I'd like to live, and other people being like. Mm. I don't know. And like, really? You know, (laughs) like that's, that's it. So the more we can just be perceived as human, which is what my documentary is about. My work at this show is just setting the stage of the acknowledgement of each other's humanity. Mm -hmm. There's um, the reason I asked that question is because, I mean, even still based on recent census data, you know, white Americans make up the majority of the population. And, there is a majority of white Americans who get caught. It's funny because the, these are one of the few times the, the talking point of the antithesis to what we're discussing actually gets caught up in minutia and in nuance. And that nuance is only to counter the, the factual that, that we're presenting. And I think we often get, this is what is trying to be done. And I get you want to have this one particular conversation about this one particular thing that proves your one particular point, but that's not what this is about. You need to see the bigger picture and blow it out and look at it. And I love your framing Stacey Abrams and AOC and um, Ilhan Omar and all of these people who come from extremely marginalized backgrounds from an ethnic perspective that represent progress in a way that is far greater greater um because then i look at it on the other side of it and think we are at a point in our recent history that um the rise of not militia groups but white nationalist militia groups that 
tie to KKK and historically white supremacist ideologies um, has just continued to grow. Um, it's been flamed by a president who represents the opposite of any progress that has been made. It's, it's this, for me, it's like, okay, when's that shit going to end? I agree with you. Poverty is never going to go away. As long as we have economics, as long as we have money involved and shared, shared currency, it's never going to go away. It's just not possible. But this, the, the, the institutional support for the subjugation of other people where that shit just gets burned out. <laughs> just, um, if, uh, if you're listening at home with your kids, please uh, put earmuffs on them for a moment. Lex relationship with this, this militia group phenomenon thing. Cause on the top level, they ain't gonna do shit. They're fucking cowards. Any man that has to walk to the grocery store with an assault rifle is a fucking coward and won't do anything. Now, asterisk, when I say won't do anything, will a Kyle Rittenhouse somewhere like kill like a handful of people or something? Probably, and that will be a tragedy when it happens. But this, this, you know, widespread uprising where we will come out of the woods, he fucking won't, bitches. So that's put that over there. Uh, <laughs> but then underneath this, <laughs> but, 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 you know, but just, hey, you, it's, I'm not gonna broadcast. I'm not gonna broadcast. I'm not gonna broadcast my address. But I mean, I'm easy to locate. You know, F fuck you. Uh, but the second thing, though, in but but under that, believe it or not, contrary to what it might sound like to what I just said, I'm not completely insensitive to the psychology of it, though. Because it is all still rooted in lack mm -hmm. and scarcity. And there's a specific psychological yeah. phenomenon, and I always forget the name of it. It's the, it's the fear of loss, basically. It is the fear of loss motivates not just a lot of people. It specifically motivates the conservative ideology. So I'm not wholly insensitive to this idea that they're coming from my stuff and I need to protect my stuff. I'm like, yeah, but we're not, though, man, you know? You're just eradicate all these other people, you know, and I think I think that's the line when people are like, you know, nobody can come and take my my farm. I'm like, bro, we know where Omaha is. I'm like, I'm you not know, pull I'm not trying to come there. Exactly. I'm like, pull up the land listings. I can afford the biggest house in your town. I assure you, I don't want it. So. We're good. You don't have to keep voting for like, you know, retrograde social policies, you know? Um, and I, I think that is the bridge we have to cross. This idea that, mm. you know, they are coming to take something. And it's rooted, and, and after this, I'm going to stop talking, even though this is a little bit of a stick of dynamite. It's rooted in the fact that deep no, down inside, good. in their heart of hearts, they know this land is stolen. They know what they did to mm. black people. They know what they did to Native Americans. They know they don't really deserve it. They know the Confederacy were traitors. They know that. And that's why they're so scared. And we're like, it's like that quote that you hear so often. It's like, you're lucky that black people want justice and not revenge. You know, I just, we just want to be able to do yeah. our own thing. You know, like uh, James Baldwin said, uh, we want what they have. We don't. We want white people to get out of our way and out of our children's way. That's it. You know, also, asterisk, this is not all white people. I got white people that, you know, more than people I'm related to.
we're talking on a macro level because I mean, there's some black folks that ain't about nothing either. So, you know, we're talking on a macro level. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there, there is so much in all of that. I, I don't even. So, Dave, you, you, you may not know this. I grew up in Indiana, so I, I close proximity to KKK, uh, super mm-hmm. close, and mm-hmm. it's um, the militia thing. Like, I get, I get the constitutional idea of of protecting against a tyrannical, tyrannical government. Uh, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a very outdated sentiment. Uh, tanks, but hey, uh-huh. pew, 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 pew. We, yep. And, <laughs> and the, the, you know, I, I think it was um, Ben Shapiro. So like, I, I have a hard time with people who are like, I'm just protecting mine. And then when we bring up the convers when I bring up the conversation of well that's not what this is about this is about the fact that, that like I'm being I or people who look like me or look different than you are prevented from getting loans they're prevented from moving to neighborhoods they're prevented from education like there's actually proactive measures stopping people from being able to succeed and they're like nah man I can't hear it I, I don't yeah it's not true you're trying to take mine mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Ben Shapiro like a couple years ago and he's just like, yeah, you know, like he has kind of a true libertarian libertarian take on it where he's like, we shouldn't be even, he's like, I don't believe in gay marriage, but the government shouldn't be in marriage. Like, why are we even in that business of talking about who you can and can't love and marry and all that kind of stuff. And to me, that's like the honest argument there versus the I'm protectionist in Really, honestly, I just think white people are better than everybody, and we should. There, there are two factions. Uh, well, I, I hate binarying. Um, Bush minimal. I mean, hell, there are black militias, yeah. right? That which are which are like white. Uh, what is it? White blood cells. It's it's an, yeah. it's an immune response. Yeah. Yes. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and then you have the other side of the militia is the white nationalist anarchist militia that actually want to eradicate all non-white people in the world and get rid of this thing that we call government, which doesn't make sense to me, but that's what exists. And it's there and it's, and it's hiding on purpose in a way that enables this shitty argument that ultimately has to be made between blue lives and black lives and, you know, that creates this story that gets 75 million people to vote for Donald Trump, right? Like, it, it's this thing. I, you got something to say, B. Dave, so I'll, I'll pause before I... No, please can continue, because I will... No, tirade, tirade away, because I, 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 will, I will have an aside for every every line you say, so please continue. No, so, so it's, it's, this, <laughs> it's this weird thing with, with militias. The majority of the white ones now are more white nationalist militias that align to um, ideologies that are to eradicate all but white people. Um, And you said something about loss that I wanted to respond. That was the last thing I wanted to respond to. There is this weird thing. It's, It's not even that I'm coming for your land, but when you have privilege or opportunity that doesn't get, you know, it, it, it's easier when, mm-hmm. when things are easier, having everybody have e- equal opportunity makes it harder 
for a white person. Mm-hmm. Not not in a way that it's like, oh, it's no harder than everybody else at that point, but it's harder than what we we had. So you when do I too have have empathy for because it's it's wired into mm-hmm. our bodies, mm-hmm. like in our brains. It's how we process mm-hmm. information. If you came and, and took mm-hmm. my skateboard, like I would be mad at you, even though it's just a skateboard, but you're taking away my ease of life. And that shit's that that's a real psychological thing that if we don't properly discuss without shame and ridicule, it's only going to make the division yeah, worse. Absolutely. It's uh the it's been proven again and again and again. People will work harder to prevent loss than to gain something, to to keep this mm. microphone than work to get a better one. Although my microphone's pretty nice. Uh, but, it, but you know, that, is. That, that is a human nice. thing. It's a sure SM7B. There you go. Hey, sure. If you want a sponsorship, get at me, sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, black people have militias too. Not only the militias you're referring to, but gangs. In the, in the underlying psychology is still very similar. Disenfranchised people looking for a found family. You know, uh, obviously that is putting it in a very, a very, you know, small nutshell. There's a lot of depth and nuance to all of that. But at the end of the day, that really is what it is. And real progress, I do think, is being made. And, and, and I, as a person, despite all the things I'm saying, operate from a place of believing that human beings are innately good. Um, you know, the, the average person on the street is a good person. And you see it time and again, where if there's a car wreck, strangers will run in and like try into a flaming wreck to try and pull somebody out. When disasters happen, we do pull together. It is who yeah. we are as a species. Um, but, you know, individuals can be deeply messed up. Individuals can be uh, horrifically evil. And it's easy once you start sectioning people off, like this whole concept of an incel, which is laughable in its own right, feeling like you're owed sex. Scary, man. But, but by definition, they're telling you, I am isolated. I am isolated and I've been denied affection. You're not owed that, but you know, you're, they're telling us what the symptom is. And then watching that mutate mm. into something gross in real time. It's like, like the, the man, um, his, uh, his name escapes me right now, but the black guy that deprograms the clans members and basically deprograms them by just being friends and talking to them. You know, they're like, black people this, black people that. And he's like, yeah, but what have I done to you? Well, black people, no, 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 mm. me. What have I done to you? You know, and that is always mm-hmm. the, you know, the kind of the first step of of chipping away at that facade. And I think part yeah. of the reason also why things are improving is, you know, portrayals in the media of different kinds of people. Because hatred and intolerance require ignorance to flourish. It requires you to be able to be like, those people are bleh. You know, that's what Fox News is. That is what ONN is. That is what, uh, you know, uh, whatever the... Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff is spoon-feeding this particular narrative to the gullible. But the reason why you don't see this so prevalent, especially in younger generations, is, you know, you're coming up and and they're like, well, all Muslims are evil. And you're like, well, I mean, you know, Mo on the basketball team is cool. Like, you know, we play Animal Crossing together. You know, it's like all homosexuals are going to hell. And it's like, well, but I mean, you know, I like Umbrella Academy. Elliot Page seems dope. And um, that's in the back of people's minds. It's harder to paint them with this broad brush. And it's funny you mentioned Indiana about the Klan. I'm from Arkansas, where the Klan is currently um, headquartered, White County, Arkansas. 
And I left Arkansas and went to Atlanta, Georgia, where the Klan was founded in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Uh, now I'm out in Burbank, so uh, it's uh, you, California. You finally Burbank. separated from the Klan. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. a ways, you know. But but to tell you the truth, believe it or not, I actually have more respect for some guy that is going to walk down the street with a freaking swastika on his hat and outright be like, "I'm going to let my racist flag fly," than these mealy mouth, lukewarm racists that will say that like uh, the woman that called the cops on the dude in Central Park, you know, uh, that, that is like, well, I, no, I'm not racist. I voted for Obama. Yeah, like you straight up said, I'm I'm he's an I'm going to tell him he's an African-American because you know what? what oh, she was calling a lynch mob. She was calling yeah. a lynch mob. Totally. Let's. It, and she knew it. I mean, props to him for being the bigger man. And I don't want her life destroyed, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, pimping, she tried to have you murdered and knew what she was doing. And there is a lot of that in this world, you know? And I mean, that's something that has to be uh, uprooted also. But, you know. The clan, it's fun. For some reason, like, Indiana, like, I remember growing up, always thinking it was weird. Like, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky were, like, all fighting for, like, clan, like, the clan was started here. No, the clan. Why are y'all fighting for this? Like, yeah. Why, why do you want this? Yeah. Wait, why, why? That's, that is, uh, that is not necessarily, uh, you know, but, the badge that you want to wear. But the position that you stated, like where you operate from a place of people are, are innately good. Um, yeah, I think this is some place to focus on because this is what we care about here. And we're trying to, trying to get to that place of how, how do we keep moving forward? And like, I'll tell you, like, there are days where it's super hard. And I, you probably feel this, B-Dave. And Keith, you probably feel it to a degree. But, like, there are days where I wake up and I'm just like, I want to burn it all. Like, I just, I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to keep going. And I want to keep working. And I agree with Malcolm X. Like, there is, man, that knife's got to come out. And I got to heal up. And we got to work on that scar after after. And you've got to acknowledge that you stabbed me. Yeah. Like, you can't and just your shoulder. Yeah. You must have fallen yeah. in a yeah. box of knives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't say, well, it's out of your back now. So no harm, no foul. So you're good, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, I, you, and there's I, one of the things you brought up. Uh, it's like, I didn't stab you, even though I directly, personally profit from your stabbing literally every second of my life. Yeah. Mm, right. And that's, a, yeah, the whole white guilt thing around like, well, you, you're, you weren't a slave. Your parents weren't a slave. I wasn't a slave owner. My parents weren't. Yeah. Like that's not the conversation for me. That's not the conversation. Like, mm -hmm. like I believe that we pay for the sins of those before us. Like yeah. for many, many generations. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm not interested in guilt. I'm not interested in apologies. I am interested in systemic reform. And I understand why people are so hesitant to, you know, say, I made a mistake or admit the fact that the, the system is gamed in their favor. But uh, I, I tell people openly, I went through a similar uh, situation with uh, the Me Too movement. I was aware of, you know, pretty much every woman I know has been catcalled or, you know, probably been, you know, cornered by some creepy guy in a bar. Like, I knew that. But when all of these horror stories started coming out of just like terrible, horrific things that every woman had experienced, I was like, 
I didn't know. I really didn't. And now that I am aware, I will adjust my, um, you know, the, the fact that just being a male, even it, I mean, you know, being a black male is like being a black bear in America. But just from the fact of being a dude. Especially for 6'9". Exactly. And a big dude carry certain privileges that I have inherited through a quirk of genetics, you know, but it doesn't mean they don't exist, you know, and I very easily could be like, it's not my fault. I'm just bigger than you, you know, like maybe you should like work out, you know, like, like what? <laughs> just, I can't, just, I can't grow a foot. Like it's yeah. just never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, you know, accept it that, you know, that the hand that you were dealt has certain, you know, you get extra aces in certain hands and that's it. It plays. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and conduct yourself accordingly so that when you're in situations where, um, you know, for me, if I'm in a meeting and I have a, 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 a woman colleague uh, that is, you know, constantly getting spoke, talked over and not getting to make her point, then I always be like, hey, wait a second. What were you trying to say? You know, to, to make sure mm-hmm. that everybody gets their spotlight, mm-hmm. things like that. It, whereas the, the, the opposite is true. If you're in a place where, you're making a casting decision or a hiring decision and you look across the room and everybody looks the same, not even necessarily all white, just all the same. Then you can be like, Hey, wait a second. Maybe we need to like spice this up a little bit. You know, maybe we need more representation yeah. in the workplace to be able to create mm-hmm. a, a more effective product. Uh, and that's it. That's all anybody's asking. It, mm-hmm. It's not like we're not saying go fire all the cis white males. As I said, I got nothing against cis white males. There's just other kinds of people in this world that also deserve a bite of the apple. That's it. Yeah. So it's uh, there's a couple of things real quick. Like white get you know white privilege doesn't mean that there isn't white struggle. Or there are other people with privilege. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have privilege. We're just addressing a specific issue when we're talking about that. And it's I think a lot of people struggle with the fact that multiple things can happen at once. Multiple things can exist and be true. And, you know, it's it, on the, on the me too thing. My wife sent me a really good article and I need to find it so we can post it with this Keith. And it was about a woman talking about why she didn't share anything. And it started with her father and it started with her father in in his heart of hearts and in his mind being lovingly being loving and trying to provide security by saying if any of your boyfriends ever touch you or any man ever touches you i'm gonna kill him mm-hmm. and in her head she said and this is what she wrote i i love my dad i love my brother i don't want them to go to jail for doing something stupid so i'm going to hold it in cuz mm-hmm. i don't want them to go i don't want them to go hurt this person cuz although they did something wrong i don't they don't deserve death but I don't want my dad and brother to end up in jail. And so what it's forced me to do is rethink my position on like, well, what's my place in this? Like, how do I support my daughters and my wife? Uh, And it it forced a really awkward conversation that I never thought about having with any of my relationships with females, including my sister and my mother or my grandmothers to the, to the point when my wife sent that, it was like, what has your experience been with this to my wife? Like that was a hard thing. It took me weeks to be able to ask that question to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, mm. but like, it, it's really made me start to think about what's my privilege in this, and 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 this is the point. Privilege means anything you don't have to think about. Yeah. You're privileged in. Yeah. I I for me, I define white privilege is automatically being given the benefit of the doubt. 
You know, 100%. he's such a promising athlete. You know, he was defending his community. He must have been drunk. It's mental illness. We don't get that. You know, he was reaching for his wallet, so I shot him. Well, how did the cop know? Yeah. That it was the wall or George Floyd. Well, George yeah. Floyd had yeah. had fentanyl in his system. He, he would have died he anyways. He had right? proctors. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he had a rap sheet. He'd yeah. written bad checks. And it's like, yeah. what? You know, the, the mental gymnastics. Is that the, is that the marker for death in this country? I, I I'm sorry, I didn't you know, all the way back to Mike Brown, man, when, when this all changed, mm. because, because uh, again, I, I can tell you for me, my personal trajectory, again, being from the South child of the eighties, you know, things would happen. Cops were killing people then, but we were like, he, he must've done something. You know, he must've, he must've mm. run. He must've tried to take a swing. Like, you know, he didn't cooperate. He didn't do what the cops said. Like he must've had it coming. And it was in this era of police body cams. And I, for me in particular, it was the week that uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile were murdered in the same week. Yeah, and that was that was my breaking point for me. Philando Castile, in particular, the being that was, that's a, a tough one. Yeah, murdered in the car in front yeah. of his in front of his girlfriend in front of his daughter. You know, the, the it, being a law-abiding citizen. Yeah, the, having telling the cop, I I I am a I am a. I have my license. Having done everything right. And that for all time exposed the hypocrisy of the NRA for all time. Because there it was. And anybody who supports gun rights and Second Amendment and all that stuff. And not a soul came out in defense of Philando Castile. Not a soul came out in defense of Breonna Taylor. Not a soul. And it exposes exactly that racial rift in this country. It It was Garner for me. Uh, man, that broke me. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that, that broke me. Uh, I was on the phone in tears with my brother and, and father. Uh, oh, and I, knows. and it was the last, yeah. that was the Same last one that I watched. That's when I decided I would not watch another, 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 uh, execution of a, of a black man or woman on, on I, media. I, I, I can't do it. I still haven't watched the George Floyd tape. I still haven't. Yeah, I know what happened. Either. But I haven't watched. You know, I but, haven't watched a single but, one of them. But to what, I, I'm not interested in watching a man get murdered. You know, um, and, and, yeah. and I even heard I heard the audio of it of the the people nearby telling the cop like you're killing him, and one of the mm-hmm. dudes is like he knows and he likes it. That's when I was like, oh, click. You know, um, mm-hmm. but to me, it, it went all the way back to the Mike Brown case, where when you know it was like, well, he was big and he was being belligerent and he was performing mm-hmm. vandalism. And I was like, well, first of all, no, he wasn't, because if you could prove this, if you could prove an eighth of this, all we would have is on a loop of CCTV footage of Mike Brown breaking windows. We'd have seen that all the time. I was like, besides the fact that your story is bullshit, and it is, I will grant you literally every aspect of it, all of it. I'll say he's breaking windows. Okay, he's getting mouthy with the cop. All right. You know, he's a big black guy, you know, acting threatening. I'll say all of that is true. Show me where in the legal code that deserves the death penalty. That's right. We, ooh, he sold weed. You know, he was on crack. Sure. Great. Again, he wasn't. But I will give you all of that. Show me where that warrants the death penalty in any state in the union. Mm-hmm. In- there was a yeah. there's a story. And then I want to I want to take a pivot because there's a story in Minnesota of a black, I don't know all the nuance behind it, so mm-hmm. we can post it in the show notes to read, to uh, read about it. A black cop shot an older white woman mm-hmm. and was sentenced to life. This that tracks. That tracks. Yep. Um, 
So, I mean, there's no one, there's, no there's, one, there's, no one asks or said, well, the woman must have done something wrong. This goes to the benefit of the doubt, right? We don't yep. have that conversation of what did she do wrong yep. to earn a justified or unjustified shooting that at least would have given the cop an offer. No, the thought is, oh, that cop must have just popped her for no reason. It's yep. yeah. I mean, cause we three here know, but it's not, a you know, there's a, there's a code and a system for white folk and there's a code and a system for black and brown and everybody else folk. And it's why Kaepernick got persecuted for protesting the flag and all the Trump supporters, many Trump supporters that, that are upset are actually hoisting Trump flags above the they American flag. Yet, the legal representation. Did you know it is illegal yep. to present a flag in any clothing? So underwear yep. Yep. on cans, yep. all that stuff. That's non-patriotic. Yep. Yeah, even putting it horizontal like they do over the NFL fields I, is. I got not, my jock strap that's got the American flag, and I'm a proud American. Well, technically, you're not. Yep. Well, it's like they said: is that you? We see Trump flags, we never see Biden flags. It's like because the Biden flag's the American flag. That's why mm. you know. Okay. Um, but you said we're pivoting. I know we. Don't yeah, I wanted to pivot because pivot because you said you grew up in Arkansas as a child of the '80s, mm-hmm. as a six foot nine. I imagine. I mean, obviously, you weren't six foot nine the whole time, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you're big. I came out six nine. It's true. You're, like like Athena, I emerged from my father's brow, fully armored. Randy Orton in the delivery room. <laughs> like like you're you're a big black dude in Arkansas, growing up in the eighties. Like, what was that like? Uh, for you, you might recall I said early on I learned from other people's mistakes. Uh, yep. I, I, this just came up yesterday. Uh, on Twitter, I don't know, you know, when this is going to go up. But yesterday, people were talking about, um, you know, tell stories of, of of theater hopping in the movie theater, you know, and, and people joking about it is this thing kids do, you know. And people were like, oh yeah, I snuck in candy and, and I watched the four or five movies. And I was like, yeah. I didn't never once, mm. never once, because I knew I'd get yep. caught and they called the cops and I'd get put in jail or maybe killed. Mm. That was math I've had to, to my earliest infancy. I remember, you know, um, I was fortunate because. Um, my last name is Walters, and for when I was a teenager, I don't know how long he was sheriff, but definitely when I was a teenager, the ship's name was a black man named Horace Walters. And, and my stepfather was a firefighter, so my car had firefighter plates. So I still got pulled over on the regular, like every black male, but they see those plates, and they see my license, and I see their tone change when they looked, because they're thinking, is this the sheriff's kid? Is this the sheriff's cousin? You know, is this the, or is this the sheriff's nephew? And of course, they can't ask, they gotta do the math. but I watch it go going through their mind and of course i'm like yes sir no sir engine off hands on the steering wheel you know because i understand um this, this was this was later this is i going to atlanta i was in my 20s i was dating this girl and um we were driving her car um i think i think you know she, she no she hadn't even been drinking just like, i was driving for whatever reason and there was a routine uh stop or for the breath license because they would do that a lot in georgia in the early point, yeah. yeah and um i think she didn't have her license for there she didn't have the proof of registration i had my license but none of the other things so the cop stops this routine stop and she's being so nasty and belligerent with this dude and i just kept thinking you know if he wants to pull us out of this car and impound this vehicle he can uh, if you know we taste pepper spray just becomes to I'm like you, you being nasty is not going to gain anything. And I get that as our rights as Americans, we should be able to say whatever we want to cops and blah 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 blah. But I always looked at it. I'm like that person can take my life or my freedom, and whenever they want to. And if they don't kill me, if we go to court, I'm not going to win. So please, thank you, yes sir, no sir, all of that stuff. And that got me through a lot of uh, issues that a lot of my friends dealt with all the time. And again, again, that was a privilege. It was a quirk of fate that you know my name last name was the same as one. One of the top law enforcement officials, and that probably kept me alive, quite frankly. Mm. It's a uh, very progressive to have had a black chef in mm. Arkansas. 
uh, at that time. I mean, I guess I don't know it was politics for like Horace Walters. I don't know. Good, yeah, this would have been, been right <laughs> now. Were your parents from Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the what is that? Mm-hmm. What, what's what's your what's your lineage? Um, well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I just took a DNA test. I am in fact 100% that bitch. No, but um, I, 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 I literally just found out maybe two weeks ago, but what my actual heritage is. Uh, my mom is West Helena, Arkansas, which is near Memphis. It is as small as it sounds. Uh, my dad is from Little Rock, Arkansas, which is where I actually grew up. And um, uh, I, I just did, I just got my DNA test back in like, um, I found out we're 65% uh, African. My sister was mad that we were only 65%. She really wasn't mad about that. She's, she's like, like, like black. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, look at us, 65, probably about it. Let me tell um, you about how slavery worked. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that was one of the things There's that came some misses. up is that the plantation owners on my dad's side, we found descendants of the plantation owner that we're related to on, wow. on his side because they knew yeah. the name. Um, I haven't done that on my mom's side, but uh, apparently I'm equal parts um, of that 65%, about 30 of that was Nigerian, and about 30% of that was um, Guinea, New Guinea, uh, not New Guinea, but like the on the west on the west coast of Africa, there's like three nations Western. all there together that have Guinea in the name. It's like various, because you know, they're, they're like, you're from Irish. Irish, that's the way Africa works. Yeah. Right? Europe, you are from this specific town, this street, village. and this was your address to your grandparents growing up in 1776. Well, of, of, that, of the remaining 35%, 30% of that is uh, Ireland, England and Ireland, right around a uh, um, around uh, Glastonbury, and uh, and then the rest of it was um, Ashkenazi Jew, which was wild. Didn't know that. Found that out. Apparently, I'm Jewish, and um, uh, and a little bit out of like um, uh, Thailand and Myanmar, which is wild because no, I have no record. Nobody mentions any uh, Asian ancestors, but. I've always felt this crazy connection to Thailand and I train in Muay Thai in the school of Buddhism I was initiated into is Thai Buddhism, which is weird. Apparently that's sleeping in my cells. So mm-hmm. all of that is in me. So to, to, to bring all of that back is apparently uh, uh, one group of relatives from the Western West coast of Africa and another group of relatives from Nigeria were brought over probably by some Irish and, and, and English people. Um, bing, so, bing. Yeah. And uh, here we are. Yeah. It's funny. Mine is almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Western Africa, 70, 75%, 20%, uh, UK, a mm-hmm. little bit of the Nordics, uh, like a 1% Ashkenazi Jew, and then like some Filipino, which is funny because like my extended family is now Filipino. So I'm like, hey, it was meant to be. There but, it is. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it's very simple. Yeah, you don't, you don't see many Africans with the last name Campbell. Wonder where that came from. I wonder yeah. where. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> old African American mm-hmm. um, that uh, is, uh, I read an, an a, Rodney and I talk about the use of the term African American often. Um, which is more often a a uh, uh, an oppressor comfort, comfort right to to it's just like using Negro back in the day and all the other terms that have made white people more comfortable with black people mm-hmm. um, versus you actually like because there is a cultural element to being African American and there's a cultural element to being Black American mm-hmm. and um, not all black people are African American but this I'll have to put it in the show notes or send it along I just read an article about this the other day. Uh, found it found it online and it was really interesting that's, that's a quick question something you just said sparked a question for uh you had mentioned earlier um you're not interested in guilt not interested in shaming uh yeah. however that is a large component of what white america is dealing with uh you you had mentioned like knowing that this land was taken from native americans it was uh slaves were brought here like there's that that inherent knowledge and a guilt and a shame and whatever baggage comes with that how do we, what's your, what's your take on how we move past that and through that? I mean, again, part of that is just my nature though. You just make a mistake, just clean it up. Like I, I'm, I don't anguish, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. I have wronged you. I acknowledge that I've wronged you. How can I make that right? You know, 
Um, and to me, even then, that's still not 40 acres and a mule because they throw that out there on occasion. But that was still a scam to make us indentured servants. Like, that still wasn't a good deal yeah. then. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that was that was. I mean, it sounds it's, it was a, it was a nice sales pitch then, and the fact that it was a lie should be self evident. Um, I think the the most important thing is to learn some history. And shout out to HBO, believe it or not, between Lovecraft Country and Watchmen, just being like, yeah. well, wham, yeah. wham. You know, like people don't know about the Tulsa massacre. They also don't know that that wasn't isolated. That happened a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. You yeah, know, that was just the yeah. biggest one. Yeah, and, and yeah. It's, it's just, um, I am looking for awareness of the past and a commitment to behave differently in the present and the future. Because you know what? It may, You probably didn't lynch anybody. Your parents probably didn't lynch anybody. Your grandparents probably at least went to a lynching. But, you know. My move from French Canada is a different place. I don't, hey, man, you know. They have their own issues. Hey, hey, hey. No, no, a, no, that's no, a, a native issue. No, yeah, there's a big difference. No shade on your family, but I'm sure there's some Inuit that would be like, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, don't huh? doubt. Oh, no, no, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we actually just got a good uh, a good learning about the, the, the native Canadian oppression in Canada that it is as gnarly as uh as yeah. it is here, they, they, they get yeah. it. I mean, there's, there's a big problem yeah. now in Western yeah, Canada and totally. native rights. Um, yeah. So, you know, to to say I myself did not do those things, I'm like, you know what? That's true. But again, you yourself are still profiting from a system built on the back of that. Right. Uh, and, and that requires awareness. And it's uh, there, there's a there's an image um, on the uh, that you can find that is the difference between justice and equality. Uh, it is three little kids and they're trying to look over the fence at a baseball game. And it's yeah. a, it, three different sizes and it's equality and the box is all the same size and one kid can go over the fence and the other two can't and this is justice where the taller kid has the smallest box so he can see over the fence and then there's a larger box so the second kid and an even bigger box so the smallest kid can see over the fence uh that's what i'm looking for i am looking for justice and it's in short supply but i gotta tell you i gotta tell you after george floyd after i'd say a month into the protest by about july i felt better about the direction and trajectory of that of our country than I had before. I felt better in July than I felt in May, um, because you know that bloated orange disgrace in the White House was on the way to winning again. He was, he was, you know. And I, between that and COVID, was enough to sort of shake enough of us out of our complexity to kind of get back on the right track. Because you know, if he had won again. This nation, as we know it, would have been no more. The the ideal of America and what it represents, which arguably we've never actually achieved, but at least the aspirational goal of it would have been extinguished and the whole world would have gotten darker in the process. And I get that, you know, again, we're recording in early December and I get the last month has felt like six months in a year that has felt like eight and a half years. But I will yeah. take two months of that man baby's tantrums, then four more years of completely dismantling, you know, Western society. So I'm like, do your worst effects. So, bitch. so yeah. there's, there's, um, <laughs> no, I actually, I, I, I don't disagree with you. And I know there's a segment <laughs> of, of the population that'd be like, yeah, but we, now we have socialism into that. And I'm, I'm just going to make this note. If you're saying that, we should have you on and have a real conversation about what socialism actually is versus a capitalist um, government marriage or democracy or even republic marriage that we have. Mm -hmm. So I'd leave it there. Like, we're not going into a socialist revolution that, you know, takes all government and buys out all 
private business and then it owns all profits and does all that stuff. That's not the way we're going and we're not going to, we were closer to have a totalitarian leader mm-hmm. with nepotism out our ass than we are to socialism. Which now. that's so, back with those militia people, you know, I'm arming against a tyrannical government. I'm like, well, here now. And why are we, you voting it, for it? Yeah, we, we just had a dry run of that, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, they, 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 he tried it. He tried it. Like, you the, know, oh, when you pardon your friends and you pardon, like, we don't need to, to yeah. burn that. We, burned well, out it's funny. We, we tried to we get a shift and we came back because this is so, yeah. this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said something, you, you gave a Baldwin quote earlier, and there's another one. He talks about, and I will paraphrase the shit out of this, uh, but he talks about every time we try and grow, we Americans try and grow uh, to a, a better, towards that ideal and to be better, it is it is choked out by white supremacy. And we allow it, when we being white Americans, uh, because a lot of people are at the lynching or on the sidelines of the lynching or at home knowing that it's wrong, but not saying or doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that continues because lynching takes a different form now. It, it happens in the form of uh, the prison pipeline. It happens in the form of not allowing education. It happens in the form of murdering and executing black men and women on TV over. Like, you, it, it turns out a lot of white folk are actually killed by the police every year. Mm-hmm. You don't see it played over and over and over on the media. That's right. And what yeah, it is. It is a reminder to me of my place in the society, mm. and that is a lynching. That is what the point of a lynching is. That's what the point of a terrorist bomb in a crowded uh, bazaar is. And fear. That's the point. Right after George Floyd, right here in Southern mm. California, like up in Valencia and I think Oxnard. Within about a half hour of me, there was a rash of hangings near city halls. And they kept ruling them suicides. I mean, yeah, young black that. men yeah. hanging themselves in front of City Hall in the midst of the Black Lives Matter protests. It's like, what? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, thank the maker, it stopped fairly quickly, but I'm like, uh huh. You know, it, it's, yeah. It... So, so this leads to, I, I want to, I'm going to bring a lot yeah. together in this question with, with 10 minutes to go. My body's ready. Oh, let me just say one thing before I forget. Yeah. It, yeah. James Baldwin, y'all, go on YouTube, listen to James Baldwin. Everything yeah. he was saying is still just as true. Like he could, it could have been recorded yesterday. Sorry, please proceed. No, it's good. It's a good, good plug because mm-hmm. it's true. So you said you say something a lot in your videos, um, and you even said it here: the, the "be a bigger man" the mentality. You've talked a lot about the guy in the UK that was protesting, being a BLM protester, black guy who carried an, a counter-protester from a neo-fascist group who got knocked in the noggin mm-hmm. out and, to protect him and save his life. Mm-hmm. And that when you tweeted that, there was a lot of backlash. And mm-hmm. you totally understand that anger. You understand the anger. And everything that we've talked about today, like even in this conversation, as optimistic as it can head towards, mm-hmm. there's there's... Like it's, it's, it's a lot of shit to be angry about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it that, and now you're going to build this, this, this is the other piece to bring together. You're, you're, you have a platform you're building on that platform mm-hmm. to demonstrate the progress, the optimism, the potential, the education of the shit that absolutely occurred that we have to recognize and acknowledge, mm-hmm. but there is thing, there is something to be hopeful for. Mm-hmm. And how is it that you, promote and how do we collectively promote that idea of hope 
in an effort to not necessarily say, like, make white people mm-hmm. in this country feel like they're bad mm-hmm. or that they're not the racist and all that other stuff, like, they, they can be part of the solution, right? Mm-hmm. And that we can all be part of the solution to have a rising tide and create justice, have everybody stand on a box so they can all see over the fence and watch the ball game. Mm-hmm. Like, there's uh, my question, trying to bring it all together. Bring it all together. Bring it home. Uh, well, yes, I guess I haven't said out right. I am making a documentary called Dear America from a Black Guy. Um, there's a pin tweet at the top of my Twitter, uh, at B.A. Walters. My DMs are open. You can ask me anything. If you say something crazy, I will roast you. And that is um, what, what it's about is um, fostering the necessary conversations because we can't just keep yelling at each other. Uh, people are literally dying. I mean, COVID is killing people because the idea that you should wear a mask somehow became partisan. Uh, respiratory infections became partisan. And it's like, what? You know, like, it, it, we have to get back to a place of just recognizing the basic humanity of each other and the fact that you're a human being and I'm a human being carries with it a certain amount of respect. Um, and that's what I meant about that being the bigger person and him carrying that man out of there because it wasn't about whether or not that white supremacist deserved mercy. I don't know the context under which he got his head cracked, but it was about more about the man that saved him than the, the injured party. And if he died there, that would have had all kinds of negative repercussions for the whole movement, for the place. The police might have opened fire. Maybe a hundred people would have died that day. Maybe now, realizing that he was granted mercy and grace by somebody, maybe that's going to move something in his heart where he's going to learn something different. Maybe he'll change. Maybe he won't. It doesn't matter. It wasn't about him. Saving him was just the right thing to do. All the way back to me saying, you know, the innate goodness of humanity. We're aware of the right thing to do. We always are. It's just sometimes it is difficult, which is why I love... um I think it's uh, ABC, I think, when they do that what-would-you-do hidden camera things where they put people in situations and they're like, well, just how do you react? And I remember there's one um, where it was they were staging a, a kid getting um, uh, abducted, and this man is dragging this little girl, and she's like, he, this isn't my daddy, this isn't my daddy. And they see one of these two black guys come walking out, and they see that, and they look at each other, and they just bolt running straight for this dude. And the production is like, wait, 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 wait. It's just TV, it's TV, hold on, because they were clearly about to just level this guy. Yeah, and, yeah. And, oh, he was about to get smashed on national <laughs> television. Yeah, and they were like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. But it's, um, I believe more often than not, people rise to the occasion. We really do. It's just, if you can get away from this idea that justice is to your personal detriment, or at least that justice is to your personal detriment in a negative way versus it being an act of charity, it being an act of grace, it being an act of compassion, wearing an act of compassion. I myself, I'm not worried about COVID at all. Uh, I was very much that dude who, like, it's the media trying to scare us. You know, it's SARS again. It's West Nile again. It's, you know, it's all of that. It's They, they always do that to us. The thing that changed my mind on it is when the stories started coming out of uh, Italy and Greece where they were talking about they were just having to decide who was going to die. Like, we're, we're not even going to try. Yeah. We don't have the bandwidth. And when they were like, you can give it to someone when you never feel sick. That's when I was like, oh, okay, I'll have a mask on everywhere from now on. I'm truly not mm-hmm. afraid of catching it myself or being sick myself. Or I mean, I, but the idea that I might kill a stranger, that mm-hmm. is enough for me to you know, have, have uprooted and altered my whole entire life to facilitate. Mm-hmm. And the, I would say at the end of the day, the spectrum of good to evil 
is a spectrum of selflessness to selfishness, evil selfishness. And not wearing a mask is an act of supreme selfishness. You know, not washing your hands is uh, or is an act of supreme selfishness. And I think when people see that, their conduct would change, hopefully. The problem is by definition, our two major political parties are essentially aligned around half of us are interested in the good of society and half of us are interested in the good of the individual. And at the end of the day, I cannot make you care about another human being I can only care about you and hopefully by my example, move you. So to give you the final point there of how we do this, we do this by living it. You do it by conducting yourself and carrying yourself in such a way that people see it. All the way, shout out to Marcus Aurelius, Act 1 callback. If it's not true, don't say it. If it's not right, don't do it. And reputation is everything. I, I just had an experience yesterday. I called 12 different, uh, over the last week or so, 12 different people about two different projects, and every single one of them said the same thing to me. If you're doing it, I'm in. I built that. You know, mm. the, the documentary got crowdfunded because people knew me, they knew what I stood for, they knew that I would deliver on what I said I would do. And, you know, you will know the tree by the fruit it bears. It says that in the Bible. So, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And mm. the, that sounds like it was a rabbit fire and, quote cliches, but no, that no, it's true. Like, it's really important because I, I want to just, for everybody listening, like, your answer was, like, compassion and, and live it and, like, continue to live it. And then when it's hard, continue to have it because it's not about, like, you don't have to agree with somebody to pick them up when they might be killed. You don't have to agree with somebody to say, you know what, I don't want to be the thing that causes you to, to uh, not be able to breathe and suffocate because uh, I gave you a virus I didn't know I had. Um, compassion, man. That that was a beautiful answer. So, and and there's an added layer, and then writing last the last question that just to call it out explicitly is someone's angry. I understand why, and if you're angry, I understand your anger. But even through that anger, you can still do the right thing, even though it may feel so not right in that moment, right? Maybe because you're just angry. As, you know, that's have to deal with my kids. I'm like, hey, I, you're mad. I understand that you're mad. <laughs> it's okay that you're mad. However, you still got to clean your room. <laughs> I had a conversation with my four-year-old. You know what? Take a minute. Like, you can sit yeah. in it for a minute, and then you're going to have to go get the room. I told her. I was like, I get you're frustrated. You can tell me you're frustrated. We can talk about it. You can come over to me, but don't hit your sister. Don't hit your sister. Like, don't hit your sister. That's what you can't do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I just said Man. this in the documentary. Dear America from a Black Guy. Like I said, it's pinned to the top of my Twitter, at Dave Walters. Uh, you can Google Dear America from a Black Guy. You'll find it. Um, even though it funded, no. you still can support the project. Hey, we I, will have... Uh, all of the links in the show notes Perfect. Uh, for all of this. And then when we're doing all our social posts, we'll also have you tagged. So the final question is, now that this is your audience, what would you leave them with? What do you want them to think about? Believe it or not, I know we've talked about so much about uh, race and the problems that present us, that confront us, but I would say two things. Uh, now is literally the greatest time in history to be alive. For all of our problems and obstacles and challenges, nobody anywhere ever has had it as good as we've got it. Uh, the world is not fair, but it's fair as it's ever been. The world is not just, but it is as just as it has ever been. Um, we have luxuries at our disposal that kings and emperors would have killed for. And the idea that we have this interconnected world and the opportunities that it presents is a blessing. I would also say that even though this has been an objectively terrible year. Uh, it has been stressful and difficult. 
when the world starts to restart, when we start to get back to whatever semblance of normalcy that we find ourselves in. And some things will never be like they were before, but we'll get back to concerts and conventions and and, and going out again. It'll come back. We will miss the simplicity of this time. When you are sitting in rush hour traffic again, when you're sitting in meetings about meetings, when you have to go to a party that you didn't really want to, but you agreed to, so now you kind of have to. We will miss the time when we had less things to be juggling and less things to busy ourselves with. So I would submit that try and make the most of this time. Whatever that thing you wanted to do, that podcast, that book, that painting, start chipping away at it. And look, there's going to be days where you will be tired and exhausted. I get it. It's rough. There will be days that just getting off the couch is a win in its own right, and it is. But the thing that you wanted to do will never be any easier to do than now. So start planting those seeds now. Start chopping away at it now. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what it is. The thing you want wants you. Just start making some strides, some progress every single day, and you will do it. Victory is assured.